Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What a time it is right now to be a fan. Not not only the Philadelphia Eagles, but Philadelphia sports in general. I got the uh, the Harden jersey on. Shane, are you a basketball fan, Sixers fan at all? Don't follow. I'm it. not. No, but I did oh. see. I, I so I started getting annoyed uh, when the whole timeline was Sixers stuff during the game. But I did see the shot that Harden hit to ice the or to win the game. And mm-hmm. oh, now Horford's uh, head. Hell yeah! yeah so <laughs> I, I I I will I will enjoy that through my twitter feed and other sixers fans but no i'm not an nba fan you can be a sixers fans vicariously through me for today with james harden joel Embiid is coming back to play today finally secured his uh his nba mvp so couldn't be happier for the big guy in that regard but the eagles just nailed their draft sixers are up 1-0 on boston bryce harper returned yesterday although he went 0-4 in plate appearances but it's all right he's rusty and uh yeah very good time to be a uh, Philadelphia sports fan. But of course, as we all know, this is a Philadelphia Eagles podcast. This is the EPA podcast brought to you by Bleeding Green Nation and BGN Radio. I'm your host, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all social platforms over at the Philly Pod, Instagram, Twitter, the whole bit. Do the same for my other host here that joins me every week on the show. You can follow him now, newly minted handle, Shane Half. NFL. It's about time we were able to uh, re uh, rebrand that uh, that handle, but Shane didn't uh, want to leave his. Uh, he didn't want to give up his grasp on the check mark, and then Elon just took him all away, and now he's Shane half NFL. It looks a lot prettier, Shane. It looks a lot better. <laughs> it does. It looks better. Uh, Elon took the blue check, so I was going to ride that out as long as I could. You did. And now that it's gone. You did. Now that it's gone, <laughs> I did. I did find a problem with changing your Twitter handle, though. Oh, what's when, that? When you're on the mobile app and you go to like search your tweets. You know, mm-hmm. you just click the little. Oh, little, yeah. yeah. It's searching only under your new handle. So I have to go manually change my username in the search if I want to search tweets older than like a month. So yeah, it uh, could potentially protect me from people Twitter searching my bad takes from the past. But oh, yeah, uh, I see. yeah, it makes it it does make it a two step process to go search for tweets from the past. But that's OK. See, that's my problem, because I, I did potentially flirt with like a, a re not a rebrand, but like a, a Twitter handle change because I felt bad that I had labeled myself as like the Philly pod. But then other than the EPA podcast, I went through a three month stretch up until this week uh, of just not putting out pods. So I was like, I'm not even living up to the name. I got to like be something else. Um, but it's just like tied to everything like brand wise. So it'd be too much of a headache to change it and then do all that. It's been the that's been the name since I started that Twitter account. And it's just too much of a hassle to uh, to do all that but it's funny because i did definitely flirt with it uh but now the pot is back and i don't have to so much worry about that anymore so fun stuff fun stuff the philadelphia eagles nailed another draft right after nailing the 2022 draft i didn't think they could follow it up with a better potential draft class and they did so in 2023 with all georgia players laden with georgia players including the newly acquired running back we got from the detroit Lions that we will uh of course 
touch on. So Shane, uh, any uh, any uh, introductory things you want to say before we dive into this draft? <laughs> yeah, go go dogs. Go dog, yeah, <laughs> literally. We always say go birds at the end of the show. Might have to be go dogs now. I don't know what we're going to. Uh, I hear the Eagles are uh, going to rebrand and rename themselves as the Philadelphia Dogs. So that'd be fun. Not really. Yeah, I loved the graphic going around where somebody they replaced the G and the Eagles word mark with the Georgia logo. Uh, that was just perfect. So I don't know who came up with that originally. I saw it everywhere, but I love that. I, I would get the shirt. Did you see the uh, the new one that took it a step further and replaced the A with the uh, A in Alabama? Did you see that one? <laughs> I did. I did. That, I don't know. That that one's a little more forced. I mean, it's only a few Alabama Tyler players. Steve. They're literally, Tyler they're literally oh. assembling the entire Georgia defense, and I'm here for it. Oh, man, it is certainly funny. And, of course, it got started in the first round where the Eagles parted with a 2024, I believe, fourth-round pick to move up one pick to select Jalen Carter. And, Shane, we were talking about – pretty much on every show to this point, regardless of what podcast you're listening to. Uh, we were all talking about how if Jalen Carter gets past the Seattle Seahawks, the Eagles would be uh, the Eagles would be open for business. I thought they would be more aggressive to move up to seven or six. And it was uh, impressive to see them stay pat at 10, only have to part with a, with a mid-round selection in a future year to go up and pair Jalen Carter with former Georgia teammate at the time, Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean before the other ones came to join them so shane your thoughts on uh what was given up to move up for him was he the right pick the red flags kind of uh with jalen carter as we all know espn was not shy to make us aware of the red flags immediately when he was selected <laughs> Threw that graphic up wasted no time as soon as he was picked espn said let's remind you guys of everything he's ever done wrong in his life before we get to why he's such a highly touted prospect uh but shane overall thoughts on the pick and his fit uh with this defense in 2023 yeah i mean i love the fit uh Carter's a great player. He was he's either the best or the second best film grade in the class, depending on where you look and who you're who you're after. I had him behind Will Anderson as two. A lot of people had him as number one, but uh, he's a fantastic player on the field and he's going to be able to plug right in for the Eagles. Uh, He can play the four eye, which is the defensive tackle that's on the inside shoulder of the tackle. Uh, so you, he can play a three technique, which is more shaded towards the guard. You can put him right next to Jordan Davis. And they're both very good run defenders, which is going to be important. The Eagles got gashed by the run last year. And they were very like, this was our run front and this is our pass down front. And it was very, it wasn't interchangeable at all. And so you can get these guys both on the field. You can do a lot to stop the run, which is going to be important without like a TJ Edwards in the middle of your defense. Obviously, right now, the projected linebacker starters are Nicobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow, who are both very small, undersized guys. And so you need defensive tackles that can make the math work, that can steal a gap up front. And I think you have that in both Carter and Davis. And so that makes the math work for the defense. Um, he's explosive out of his stance. Uh, there's, some, I mean, there's a little bit of technical things that you can refine in his game. So you could expect to see him even get better than he was at the collegiate level. And then obviously, you know, there's the off field red flags and I don't know on those, but I know the Eagles did their homework. And so I'm going to trust them to have made the right call on that. And at pick nine, it's such a good value that it's worth the risk at that point. Very much so. Yeah. Tremendous value at, at, at that pick number nine, as, as some would argue, as you mentioned, the top overall prospect, uh, uh, in the draft. And we've said 
uh, ad nauseum to this point, Shane, that nobody has more intel than the Eagles did on Jalen Carter with Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean within the organization. So they felt comfortable enough to make that pick. They felt comfortable enough to part ways with a with a future selection to, to get ahead of Chicago, who I'm sure was was intrigued by the prospect of having him as well. So uh, I like I like the selection from a from a value standpoint, and I like it because it number one fills fills a need, as we all know, Javon Hargrave effort for San Francisco you can plug him right in there next to Jordan Davis and that run defense is going to be uh stout in addition to the uh the other picks they made in this draft that I enjoyed as well that we'll get into uh later on in the show I saw the uh, clip going around the viral clip I forget the other uh, quarterback's name but when he basically lifted the the LSU quarterback like off the ground heard the play blown dead and just like pretty much held him while he like celebrated his trophy kind of and it, like he is uh even in college uh, he was a man amongst boys, and I think that's going to be uh, uh, the same scenario in the pros uh, as well. Fantastic run, def- uh, fantastic run defender, strong anchor, uses his hands well, and explosive off the uh, off the line of scrimmage. I'm very intrigued to see how he's going to kind of sequence his pass rush moves together in the pros, and I think he'll make an immediate impact uh, uh, from uh, from week one. He starts week one, we would assume, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. there's no way he doesn't, right? Okay, just make it. I mean, I'm... okay, well, you define start because technically the starter is the guy that takes the first snap on the field, but he's going to be playing heavy amounts of snaps. And right, right. The It'll Eagles haven't. Yeah, the Eagles have a nice pass rush rotation again uh, on the interior. You got Fletcher Cox, who you can mm-hmm. put in there. He's not nearly as good against the run as he used to be. I think you can see Jalen Carter is the guy that's on the field a lot and Jordan Davis and. Fletcher Cox, the guys that are used a little more rotationally. And then you've still got uh, Milton Williams. And exactly. Milton Williams showed a lot last year as a pass rusher. He played that four-eye kicking out there. And so you, you've got some options there. And, of course, they will get into him in a minute. But they in the seventh round, they went and they uh, drafted another defensive tackle out of Texas, Moro Ojemo. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's kind of in that same mold, like that four-eye sort of uh, defensive tackle. So they're building their defense a certain way. and. They've got a lot of horse. I mean, if you just go look at the projected draft charts and you look at, just say you look at the Eagles' second team pass rushers, mm-hmm. there's a lot of offensive lines just straight up that second team of pass rushers could give a lot of grief. And so uh, the Eagles are continuing to load up in the trenches as we always knew they're going to do. And they're investing at the premium positions. And, you know, maybe Carter doesn't hit. Maybe he bombs out. Maybe he's out of the league after his rookie before his rookie contract's over because of off the field issues. That's certainly a possibility, mm-hmm. but it's a risk worth taking at that point. It's certainly worth taking, especially with the Eagles' philosophy, the way they build inside and out. You take you take a risk there, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You're not going to hit on every single pick. Uh, but what what I'm sure they will hit on <laughs> is the next pick in Nolan Smith, and I I just don't understand how. It's not like it's a secret of how the Eagles want to build their team through trenches and by scouting pretty much exclusively the Georgia defense. And teams allow this. Like when you're pick 27 and 28 and you see Nolan Smith on the board and you know the Eagles are coming up, something should register in your head like, man, I might maybe we should take this guy before the Eagles get their hands on him. But nope, the league is perfectly fine. And I'm perfectly fine with it, obviously, of the Eagles just collecting Georgia Bulldogs on defense and getting this explosive edge rusher in Nolan Smith. And I know I know the size is a uh, is a big deal with him but everything else he brings to the position is awe-inspiring from 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 what i see i know the comps to hassan reddick were made leading up to the draft and it's hard not to make that comparison because the way he can uh, uh rush the quarterback and the way he uh just uh gets bursts off the line of scrimmage 
is is exciting to watch and i'm intrigued to see how sean desai if i was sean desai i would be excited because you walked into essentially walked into a championship defense with all these players and all this draft talent and you have so many pieces to play with and now you have reddick and nolan smith that at times you could play on the field at the at the same time and it's going to be uh, uh very exciting to see next season and moving forward because Hassan reddick is only under contract for two more seasons to get to uh, uh develop nolan smith so that by the time uh, Hassan reddick leaves nolan smith, nolan smith can step in there and the defense uh, uh doesn't miss a beat but with the only selection that the eagles basically held on to the only one they didn't trade anyway at number 30 they land nolan smith at a pick like there was there was he was linked to the eagles numerous and numerous mock drafts that i saw at number 10 so for them to get them here at number 30 is is fantastic value yeah absolutely um i would have been happy to trade back into the early teens 13 14 and take nolan smith i wouldn't have been really <laughs> upset if they took him at 10 he wouldn't have been the highest on my board at 10 but i, I liked him i would have been Came okay with him with at it, 10 sure. and so for him to drop to 30 and I mean, some of it, yeah, is he's coming off the torn pectoral muscle. Mm. Uh, he is undersized. So I don't think there were, pro I haven't heard any smoke about like medical red flags with the pec. So I doubt that played into it very much, but he wasn't going to be on everybody's board because of his size. He's second percentile weight, uh, 15 percentile height, 17th percentile length. So he is tremendously undersized, but he was such a good run defender at that weight. And this isn't, you know, a guy in the ACC that was a good run defender. This is in the SEC. And uh, I don't worry as much about size concerns coming out of the SEC, especially since he was already so good as a run defender. And he's so good as a run defender because of his explosiveness, because of his ridiculous bend. Like he would have trouble shedding blocks uh, if, if a tackle gets him clean it's just so hard to do because he can dip the shoulders. He gets around it. You know, there's things all over his film of him essentially juking a tackle that's attacking him downfield and getting into the backfield of, of him stepping down and, you know, just knocking a pulling guard backwards to condense space and power runs. And he's so ridiculously good as a run defender. And so that negates a lot of that worry for me. Now he needs a lot of development as a pass rusher. He's never been a high sack player. He only had three sacks in eight games this year. Um, but if I'm looking at a guy like this and you tell me you can have a finished pass rusher who can't stop the run, or you can have a finished run stopper who needs to learn how to rush the passer, I would much rather him at 238 pounds, be able to set a strong edge and think I can teach him how to rush the passer. Cause the athleticism is there. The techniques just not. And I think you can teach him those counter moves. Like there's certain things you can teach and certain things you can teach. And everywhere Nolan Smith is deficient as a pass rusher, I think it can be taught. And so I'm excited about Nolan Smith. He doesn't have to come in and play 80% of the snaps as a rookie. He's going to play some, but like you said, he's a lot like Hassan Reddick, except mm -hmm. he's better as a run stopper versus as a pass rusher. Yeah, he's an, an exceptional run defender, uh, 4.3940 yard dash, which is the second highest ever by uh, by an edge defender. So athletically, I saw it. Were you the one that put out the chart saying if Nolan Smith was a receiver, he'd be like the best rated receiver? Like, what was that? What was the uh, what were those numbers? Yeah, so the relative athletic score, it basically normalizes all of the testing at height, all your all your drills, and it compares it across all players at the position. And you can change positions. So like if you comped him as a receiver, 
Uh, he would get a 10.0 relative athletic score, which ties him with Calvin Johnson for the most athletic receiver uh, to ever test. Now, he did not do agility drills. And obviously, 240 pounds would be a massive receiver, and his agility drills would not be on par as a receiver. So it wouldn't translate, you know, if he did the agility drills. He's he's electric. He's not going to be, you know, as agile as these 180-pound receivers. But, yeah, it's insane, the athleticism that he brings to the table. and. You know, people have talked about how risky this draft is. Like, you look at Jalen Carter and the off-the-field concerns. You look at Nolan Smith and how undersized he is. Keely Ringo, a guy we'll get to in a minute that the Eagles were lauded for taking in day four. I had a round one grade on him. Um, there's a lot of concerns with Keely Ringo. But at the end of the day, first of all, every draft pick is a risk, even you know, Will Anderson, he's a risk. Devon Witherspoon, he's a risk. Everyone is inherently a risk, so you have to accept that. And number two, the Eagles did take a more risky approach to the draft than a lot of teams, but A, they have the luxury of doing that because they don't have massive holes they need to fill. And B, if you take one really risky player, there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to work out for you, right? But as you begin to stack those risks... Yes, you're going to get guys that don't work out, but the more of those risks you take, the more likely it is at least one of them is going to hit. And all of these guys, Nolan Smith, uh, uh, Jalen Carter, if they hit, they're going to be a top player at their position in the NFL. And so, yes, are, are the odds that one of these three guys is going to wash out of the league and not be very good? Yeah, but the odds that you're going to get one you know, top of their position player out of this also increases. And so, you know, if you just take the one dart throw, if you just buy one lottery ticket, you're probably going to lose. Maybe this is a bad analogy because if you buy three lottery tickets, you're still probably going to lose. But <laughs> if you buy three lottery tickets in the NFL draft, odds are one of them is going to hit. Yeah, the, the potential reward certainly outweighs the risk. Like I was going to say, if you draft, if you draft 10 risks, and three of them work out, I'd say that's a good draft. I'd say that's a successful draft, like by that by that ratio. I think you need a 30% hit rate to, to deem them as uh, as successful draft picks. And yes, they're, they're risks, and maybe if other teams took them, um, you would probably give it with, with a side eye. But it's the fact that the Eagles took them, and they have a well-established culture of winning and accountability, and they already had the infrastructure in place of, of Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean, two guys that can – kind of like not help the organization because I doubt they need help, but like, you know, give them um, intel into what kind of Jalen Carter needs and how to utilize Nolan Smith because they watched firsthand how these players succeeded at a, at a high level. And so I think when you have the, the intel from those guys, like we feel like this defense would put them in the best position to succeed at the pro level. I think that it's a no brainer for the Eagles. And I think that in some ways it's specific to the Eagles, which is why these picks work out. Now, something uh, I also want to address is that uh, I see a lot of rival fans are talking about, like, I see how we getting all this praise uh, for drafting these Georgia players when they fell to them in their laps. Like, of course, he's going to draft the best player available. Why is he getting all this praise? But Shane, from my perspective, I feel like that you, it also, it, it's not only just picking the players, I think assessing the board correctly and knowing how things are going to fall and be able to predict them accurately uh, also goes into that because they could have traded much more, to move up to number six to draft Jalen Carter. They stood they stood pat at 10, moved up to nine, and gave up minimal draft assets. They could have traded up to the – well, once once the late teens were happening, they could have traded up to 21-22 and took Nolan Smith. They stood right there in 30 and got him right at their own pick. So I think Howie deserves immense credit 
for being able to read the board accurately, giving up very minimal value to acquire the players that they had uh, ranked very highly on their board to begin with. Yeah, I mean, the talented player falling to you is only half the battle, as exactly. the Washington commander showed us when Christian Gonzalez <laughs> fell to number 16. <laughs> and then they took Emmanuel Forbes instead, and Christian Gonzalez goes to the Patriots at 17. Like, the player falling to you is half the battle. Then you have to make the right selection. And then the other part is what if the player isn't going to fall to you? Howie does such a good job of knowing how the board's going to fall. Like you said, he didn't trade up higher for Jalen Carter. He didn't trade up for Nolan Smith because he knew what was he, he knew how the board was going to shake out. And then you look at the Cowboys who absolutely unequivocally were drafting wow. Dalton Kincaid and the Buffalo Bills leaped in front of them and took Kincaid. And then they were reeling and they drafted Mazzie Smith, a guy that shouldn't have sniffed the first round at all. And so, yes, good players fell to them and they made the picks. Other teams in the division didn't. And, yeah. and you know, that's the dividing line. Yeah. You actually have to be uh, uh, the GM to make those picks because we watched how we make the wrong ones. Justin Jefferson fell right to you. What happened? Jalen Rager right there. So um, I know it's a pick that that we don't like to bring up a whole lot, but how he's learning from his mistakes and making the right choices and uh, being able to read the board and not give up the future to move up for picks when you could have had them at a later pick is certainly uh, a skill that not every GM has. Um, speaking real quick, you brought up Mozzie Smith, and I know we'll dive more into the uh, division um, later on, but I, I saw you when the Cowboys made that selection. I don't know if this was a joke or if you were dead serious when you said you had a third round grade on Mozzie Smith. I had him as an early second rounder. Did you really have him as, as a third rounder? <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, I can, I can, and I, it's people can go search my I thought tweets. you were kidding. I, I thought you were no, kidding. No, this is, yeah, this is why I put this stuff out before the draft because people were like, oh, you're just hating on him because he, the Cowboys draft was like, nope. You can go check my stuff that I put out before the draft. Oh, uh, I had a third round grade on Mozzie Smith. He was, let me see what number he was on my big board. Oh, he was God. the number 64 player Damn. on my big board. So it was, you know, it was top of the third round, back into the second round. Uh, I knew he was going to go higher than that. I heard, you know, I heard a lot of smoke around him being a potential first round pick. I just don't get it. Um, you, you can say what you want. And people have thrown this back at me, but Mozzie Smith had a half a sack in 30 games in college. Uh, that That's point. I put this out yesterday. Point zero one six sacks per game. He had point two tackles for loss per game in college. So he was not making tackles behind the line of scrimmage, whether in the run or against the pass. And you can say, and people certainly did. Well, the Eagles drafted Jordan Davis last year, higher than the Cowboys took Mozzie Smith. and he doesn't know how to rush the passer either. And that's true. Except Jordan Davis was a 10.0 relative athletic score and a guy that's that athletic. You're not just taking him because he can stop the run. You're taking him because you think you can develop some pass rushing tools. Mozzie Smith doesn't have that athleticism. And so, yeah, I thought that was an awful pick for the Cowboys, but <laughs> they walked into the draft with two glaring needs, tight end and interior defensive line. And, and that's mistake number one. You don't want to walk into the draft unless you're, you know, holding a top three pick and you're going to take a quarterback with everybody knowing what you need. And the Cowboys did that. And the Bills exploited that and leaped them to take a tight end. And they ended up drafting Luke Schoonmaker in the second round, which I also Oof. thought was an awful pick. Yeah. Uh, and they so they walked out of the first and second round with two guys that I had round three grades on. 
That's why. That's why it's such a luxury for the Eagles to be where they're at because they don't necessarily have to draft for need. Yes, there's some holes to fill on the roster, but they can draft the best player available and just make them work. That's 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 the beauty of the roster construction that the Eagles have had the last few years. Because to your point, when you walk in with glaring needs and everybody knows it, chances are somebody's going to swing in there or you're going to have to reach for that knowing that he won't be there 15 to 20 picks later. Uh, so Dallas was the uh, a fortunate culprit in that scenario. Oh, by the way, before. Before we move on, I misspoke. Go ahead, go I did ahead. not. I did not have a round three grade on Luke Schoonmaker. I had a day three grade on him. So. <laughs> day three. I was like, yeah, he, yeah, he definitely, he definitely wasn't. I remember when I saw you tweet the day three pick. I was like, maybe he's doing this to be funny during the draft, or did he dead ass have a have a third round pick on this guy? But the Dallas fans are going to convince us that Mozzie Smith is better than Jalen Carter. Now I see Dallas fans posting Jalen Carter's pro day and all of his like issues and saying, oh, this has bust written all over it. I call that copium call that a coping mechanism is what i what i call that but yes very good picks in the first round for the eagles but jalen carter and taking nolan smith smith is the first edge rusher the eagles have drafted in the first round since Derek barnett so let's hope that uh nolan smith kind of lives up to the pedigree a little better even though i am i don't know if excited is the word i am curious to see how Derek barnett will be in this defensive end rotation coming up i don't know if i'm excited because I don't, I don't know if he fixed all those uh uh, unnecessary roughness penalties and all all that stuff, but we'll see. Yeah, I was we'll gonna see. say, will will Derek <laughs> Barnett have more penalties or sacks, sacks this season? <laughs> yeah, we'll find out the hard way. We'll find out the hard way in the upcoming season. But very good, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Nolan Smith, Hassan Reddick. Man, I feel like. Do you feel like this defense has a chance to 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 match the sack record last year? I feel like with this draft, they have a good shot to do it. Yeah, I I mean, it was a special season last year. Yeah, it's sure, tough to put in terms of it. sacks, but. You know, you look at the cornerback room and you brought back your starting corners. Um, you know, I, I think it's certainly a possibility that that they can. Ma- I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever guess that they're going to match that because that's kind of a historic season. But I yeah. think they'll I think they definitely have a strong shot to lead the NFL in sacks again and be as disruptive as they were a year ago. Definitely, definitely. I never seen a a guy go ahead and fill all the things that they lost <laughs> in the offseason in the draft, and that was what Howie is a. Uh, is doing so flipping to the offensive side of the ball in the second round we knew it was going to happen Shane you and I said that the second round uh routine of drafting offensive linemen is probably going to happen and it sure did this year with uh them taking offensive lineman Tyler Steen from Alabama keeping the Alabama thing going and this guy is uh is a guy that is being uh projected to p- potentially play right guard for the Eagles they have that hole there with CMLU leaving you have Cam Jurgens who fans are expecting to compete for that spot as well Tyler Steen is a guy, Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, because you, you probably know more about this than I do, but I don't think he ever played guard in college, right? Tackle, left tackle. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw him um, at guard. So how do you like this fit? How do you like this pick from a value standpoint for, for the Eagles? Yeah, so actually funny. He, he was a three-star recruit out of high school and committed to Vanderbilt as a defensive tackle. Right, only played one year at Bama, yeah. Yeah, and after, so after his freshman year, he moved to offensive tackle, and then he transferred to Bama for 2022. So he started 12 games at right tackle and 34 games at left tackle. <laughs> and so he's got a lot of experience as a starting offensive tackle, what, 46 total games. But it's not like he grew up playing offensive tackle. And so when you watch him, there's some technical refinement needed in his game. And that makes sense because he's only played four years on the offensive line and three of them were at Vanderbilt where, you know, not to disparage Vanderbilt's coaching, but it's not on the level, I'm sure, of what, a lot of these other guys are getting. Uh, so he spends one year at Alabama where obviously Jeff Stoutland has ties. So Jeff Stoutland's going to know everything there is to know about Tyler Steen. Uh, it's worth mentioning the Eagles announced him as an offensive guard. Mm-hmm. 
uh, height weight wise, he's fine for a tackle, but his arms are really short. 32 and three quarter inch arms is really short for a tackle. Uh, That's ninth percentile. A lot of teams have like a 34 inch kind of guide rail. Like we're not taking tackle. We're not playing tackles that are under 34 inch arms. So, uh, his relative athletic score was good. He's a really smooth mover. Uh, he's got really good lateral quickness. So, you know, at Alabama, where he's playing outside, he could easily set wide against like wide nine speed rushers. He could get out there. Uh, he maximizes his length well, which is important because he doesn't have a lot of it. And he's got good strength uh, at the point of attack. It, he's a good mover in the run game. He does a good job of like getting to the second level and he doesn't like bury defenders like you see Jason Kelsey do, but he does a good job of getting out there and walling them off. So the highlight reel is not as impressive, but it still gets the job done. Um, he gets caught flat-footed at times and lets rushers into his chest, which causes an inconsistent anchor. So I would say like his strength is good. His anchor is not the best because he'll let guys into his chest, and that's something he's going to have to work on. And uh, I think his base gets too wide. Brandon Thorne pointed that out on uh, on a thread he had about him, and it gets him off balance. So there's some things he can work on there. Physically, I think he's good. Technically, there's some things to refine. And so I think he goes to a great place with Jeff Stoutland to work on that. Uh, you know, I think it'll be a competition between him and Cam Jurgens to be the starting right guard this year. But regardless of who wins that, you anticipate him being the right guard of the future because Cam Jurgens was drafted to be the Jason Kelsey replacement. And so mm-hmm. uh, long-term, I think that's probably his position. And, you know, maybe he shows he can stick on the outside and he becomes your right tackle. But I think he's probably your future right guard. Whether he becomes a starter this year or not remains to be seen. Yeah, I think Steen realized that his future was at guard too because uh, he worked out at guard at the Senior Bowl. So the Eagles obviously noticed that. And that's why sometimes going to the Senior Bowl benefits you because you know some things about some of these players that not other teams do. Um, So he worked out at guard at the Senior Bowl. We probably realized this is where teams are going to put me. And uh, the Eagles noticed that and they liked it. And obviously the Alabama connection. Uh, You're going <laughs> to uh, go ahead and entertain that. Um, as well, Siamalu leaving, we knew that the Eagles were going to address the offensive line at some point. I was staring at your guy, uh, Osiris Torrance, because I thought there was a shot, a small chance <laughs> the Eagles were going to have him, but he was taken relatively early, and that ended that dream. But I remember you had mentioned um, Torrance as a potential pick at 30 for the Eagles. So when he went into day two, I said, wow, he makes a lot of sense <laughs> for the mm-hmm. Eagles. Um, the pipe dream ended, though, and we didn't get that. But I like the prospect of Tyler Steen, and I'm excited to see that battle in training camp as he uh, battles with Jurgens for that starting right guard spot. So now in the third round, a, a, a guy, another position we anticipated them filling. We knew it was likely not going to be Brian Branch, but Sidney Brown, who was my third overall prospect at, at safety after Antonio Johnson, was the selection for the Eagles at number 66 overall out of Illinois. And man, this guy can hit his missed tackle. He, You know why he's... The, the primary comp to, uh, to CJ, not because like they kind of play similarly in the box and closer to the line of scrimmage, but they both had high like missed tackle percentages. And that's where I say like, wow, he's just like CJ because he misses a lot of uh, tackles, doesn't wrap up, goes for the big hit. And CJ did that last year as well. But man, this man is athletic. He's a gym rat. I don't know if you've seen his physique, uh, Shane, but this man is shredded to the gills. Like this guy is like not an ounce of fat on this man. He's a thumper. Um, he can he can match up with tight ends. He enjoys playing tight ends. He can keep up with the shifty guys out of the slot. I really, really like this pick with, of Sidney Brown. He reminds me a lot of, and this is kind of high praise. I know everybody likes to scream Dawkins, but he's more of like Bob Sanders 
And I think they have similar play styles um, from Bot Sanders back in the day. So I'm going to very much enjoy uh, diving into his film in the coming weeks. He he might be the pick I'm most excited about in this draft. And I know that's a lot to say with Carter and Nolan Smith and some of these other guys, but I'm really fascinated by the prospect. Yeah, he was around. the number 45 player on my big board. Oh, good uh, so, value. So with the 930 and 66 pick, the Eagles got my second 16th and 45th rated players. So uh, I liked the value. He's extremely athletic. Uh, He's got a lot of versatility. He played uh, about 400 snaps deep, about 1,000 snaps in the box, and about 350 snaps in the slot over the last three years. So you can move him around. He's got good ball skills. Um. His athletic testing showed better like agilities than I think he shows on the field. He's kind of more of like a straight line speed guy on the field. I didn't think that his agility was as great, but hopefully that's something that they can work on. You know, the biggest thing with him is his size. He's only 5'10". Now he's heavy at 2'11". That's why they he got into the box so much. But he's going to have a hard time covering like bigger tight ends that can just sort of body him up. Uh, but you know, what you're getting in the third round. I think he's a really good player. And, you know, I, I think, I I think he's probably going to be your starter over Edmonds at the start of the season. Mm. They've got similar roles, but when you go spend a pick at the top of the third round, 66 on this guy, I've got to assume that you think he's going to play right now. And maybe they both get on the field, although they're both kind of the same type of player. I don't know, but you know, his absolute floor, in my opinion, in the league is a really good special teamer where he's got a lot of experience who plays in sub packages in coverage. And the Eagles special teams has been horrendous. He's going to help them out there as well. I really like the Sydney Brown pick. Yeah, very, 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 very good pick there. And a ball hawk similar to that FCJ as well. Seven picks or I'm sorry, six picks, seven passes defended last season. Um, so he has a knack to get to the ball. And that's in- interesting because I look at the three now. I think it's a fairly decent safety room now with Sidney Brown, Reed Blankenship, and uh, and Terrell Edmonds. Uh, who starts amongst those? I guess we assume Reed is slotted for one of those spots, given what he did at the end of the year. And Edmonds with the with the, with the the veteran presence and Sidney Brown with the athletic traits. Uh, uh, we'll see who wins that for the, uh, for the other spot. He played five years at Illinois which means he had, you know, a ton of experience. That's why I think Reed had an easier time transitioning because he played five years at Middle Tennessee. So it's not like he was hurting for experience. He had a lot of it, <laughs> which is why he kind of looked natural out there at times. But I love uh, everything about the Sidney Brown pick. Very good uh, uh, pick there for the, uh, the Eagles at safety. I loved Antonio Johnson, but Sidney Brown is a good consolation prize in my eyes. That's going to be exciting to watch in the summer as well. And then in the fourth round, or actually before that, before we get to that pick, I guess we can talk about the uh, the trade because we knew how he at some point was going to make a splash. He always does. He always has to make the draft about himself in some in a good way. And he certainly made one once the once the Lions drafted Jameer Gibbs at number twelve, which was like the first kind of shock of the draft. Like, wow, what are the Lions doing? You have David Montgomery, you have DeAndre Swift. You go ahead and draft Jameer Gibbs, whose skill set overlaps a lot. With uh with Swift, you take him. I guess they already knew like we're not gonna. We're, he only has one year left on his deal. He's kind of unreliable with his injury woes. He's not available. We're just gonna uh, try and get something for him now. And the Eagles capitalized on that. Gave up a twenty twenty five mid round pick to and a seventh round pick swap to bring DeAndre Swift back home, St. Joe's Prep, uh, Philadelphia native, and brought him here. And he's explosive when available. Very explosive back. I like what the potential of what him, Penny, and Gainwell could be. And uh, why not try it? You had, to, you had to add some more skill to the running back room. And I enjoyed very much 
the acquisition of yet another bulldog in DeAndre Swift, Shane. <laughs> yeah. Um, people that were tired of watching Miles Sanders miss holes oh, created wow. by the offensive line. Uh, you're going to see a lot of that with DeAndre Swift as well. <laughs> um, big one dancing around. Yeah. He's so uh, there are 42 running backs with 300 carries in the last three seasons. Among those, DeAndre Swift ranks 11th in yards per carry, but only 36th in success rate. So he's boomer bust, similar to how Miles Sanders was in terms of his carries. But what he has over Sanders is he's good in pass protection relative to Miles Sanders. He's not great in pass protection, but I would say he's like average to above average. And he's a receiving threat. You can throw the ball to him out of the backfield, which I'm not sure is something the Eagles want to do a lot. But oh, it's scrambling. It's a possibility. Scrambling. So I think, you know, obviously he's injury prone. He's been banged up. Uh, so is Rashad Penny. So we're really doubling down on injury prone backs. I guess maybe hey. between two injury prone guys, you can hopefully always have one of them available. They're each other's insurance policy. Yeah, there you go. But, you know, what they gave up for him was nothing. It was a mid round pick two years from now. So uh, I didn't mind. I didn't mind that at all. I thought it was a good move. Yeah, yeah. And from a reception uh, aspect, 156 catches over his first three years for 1,200 yards. So, yeah, certainly uh, a threat out of the backfield. They used Gainwell a lot of that towards the end of the season. Uh, I expect Swift to be utilized in the same way when Jalen Hurts isn't scrambling, because as we all know, that's the check down. Not a whole lot of check downs going on in the uh, in the Eagles offense. But I, I very much enjoyed the pick just because, number one, he was a bulldog and why not keep the theme running? And uh, he's a home run hitter, like you said, much like Miles Sanders. So when he finds open space, not many people are catching him. Uh, he has the speed to break away. He doesn't run out of gas at the end of runs. And we'll see how how it all works out with those three. But if they if they're healthy. Man, they can be as dynamic a running back room as any of them in the NFL. And get this, Shane. I'm sure you've seen it Seen it to this point because I, I, I had put the numbers out. But the combined running back room of uh, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Kenneth Gainwell are all less than <laughs> the average annual value of Miles Sanders' contracts. So this is why I don't pay running backs because this is the way the Eagles do it. They find value. They find good guys for cheap, and they don't pay them at the end of it. So – uh, don't get too attached to DeAndre Swift fans because he won't be here after next year. <laughs> Unless like something crazy happens and he takes like a four-year whatever deal. But uh, this is how the Eagles get it done. This is why it wasn't likely that the Eagles would uh, would would pay Miles Sanders. And this is why it was equally as unlikely that the Eagles would take B. John Robinson as much as I desired. Not so much Shane, but as much as I had wanted that to happen. So, uh, yeah, Shane, when you heard uh, B. John go at number eight, how, how excited were you? when? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I called that one. I I was saying that he was going to end yeah, up in it made Atlanta. Sense. It, made sense. it annoyed me a little bit because I wanted him to be there at 10 and the Eagles not take him. So Stalting. we didn't have to keep having it. So like, because I promise next year, next year, everybody's going to be like, oh, this running back prospect would be a great fit to the Eagles. And instead of saying Bajan was there and they didn't take him, we're going to have to litigate the, but would they have taken him if he fell? So I was kind of annoyed, if I'm being honest, that he wasn't on the board at 10 for the Eagles to pass on so we could put that conversation to bed. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I saw a report yesterday come out that he was like never a realistic option for them at 10 anyway. Like if he was there, like the Eagles probably weren't doing it regardless. So so fun though, man. His mom had green on. They were leaning into it. You know, Bijan was leaning into that stuff with the the Eagles green, uh, the mustard. He had like the mustard, uh, but he's over in Atlanta now. They Desmond Ritter, they're gonna ride with him and give him a shot with Kyle Pitts, uh, Jake London, and Bijan Robinson, who's wearing number seven in Atlanta after uh 
uh, Michael Vick, and I think the kicker was wearing it last year. The kicker gave it up to him. So <laughs> good on Bijan for doing that. So more excitement in the fourth round. We thought we would be hanging out up until pick 188, Shane. We were like, man, we're going to chill out on day three. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, I thought they would acquire more picks, but not that soon, trading all the way up to the top of the fourth round at number 105 overall and snagging Georgia cornerback Kaylee Ringo. And I thought when Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith were selected, I was like, they're not going to roll with Ringo. Like, they're not they're not that into the bit that they're going to roll with Ringo. And surely enough, they did because they probably realized he's definitely not going to be here in the sixth round. We need to get younger in the cornerback room. We have Slay. We have Bradbury. We have McPherson. We have Greedy Williams, who we brought in here. But why not bring a guy with 4.36 speed who may have stiff hips, but maybe we could potentially move to safety if it doesn't work out at cornerback. I'm seeing a lot of people speculating on that. But give the guy a shot at corner first. Let's see what he has. He has the speed. He certainly has the physical traits from a, from a bodily frame standpoint. And I was I was super hyped when they made this pick for Keely Ringo. So, Shane, we've had a lot of discussions on does he make sense for the Eagles. Uh, at 30, I saw some speculation that he could potentially be a pick there. Uh, but he fell much, much, much further due to his tape and due to potential uh, injury woes there. But overall, from a value standpoint, once again, the Eagles knocked it out of the park in the fourth round with Keely Ringo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it started to come out afterwards. There were uh, potential character and medical red flags. Howie said they did not have red yeah, flags. Poor work ethic. Yeah. I've seen that out there. Yeah. Howie said they did not have red flags on Ringo, which, I mean, it's not like you're going to disparage a player that you just drafted, but. Uh, there's concerns with Ringo. His, you know, he's very stiff-hipped, and, and that's a big deal. He's very stiff. Struggles Getting to play with all his, college long. Yeah, he struggles yeah. to play with his back to the ball to get his head around. Um, loses a lot of his speed through transitions, which is why I speculated that he might have been a good safety convert along, uh, you know, in the draft process. But you know, at the end of the day, he's landing in a good situation. Uh, obviously the Eagles lost their defensive backs coach, but they've got a loaded defensive back room. He does not have to step away, step in and play right away. I'm not even sure that he would be the first. I'm, I'm pretty confident he would not be the first guy up if there was an injury. I think that you no, probably have Greedy Williams up next. You might even have Zach McPherson up next. So he's buried on a depth chart for now, but he can learn behind two you know, really good pros and Darius Slay and James Bradbury. And uh, I think it was a great, fit it's a great pick uh, i love the potential of ringo and you know what's the worst case scenario he bombs out and you you spin a fourth round pick on a guy i had a first round grade on so i love that selection from the eagles yeah he was a, pro a projected first round talent not all that all that long ago so uh it, like we said from a value standpoint it made a lot of sense for the eagles to go ahead and do so and he has the luxury of not being thrusted into a starting role right away when you can learn behind two all pro guys like uh, like Slay and Bradbury, man, only good things can come from that. And if you, you have to start two, three years down the road and you own those skills, and I think that there's definitely potential there for Keely Ringo to secede at the uh, at the pro level. So a very exciting pick there. Uh, the pick that was not as exciting came in the sixth round at number 188 overall because lo and behold, Howie had to find a way to keep the quarterback factory open. We thought it was closed. We thought it was over. We thought it was Hurts, Mariota, Ian Book. We're good to go. Nope. How he said, I like this guy, Tanner McKee out of Stanford. I like this. I like this pocket passer that has no mobility to his name whatsoever. I like this big bodied. He is kind of eerily similar to Nick Foles a little bit. I see a lot of uh, I said this on my pod earlier in the week, but there's some Eli Manning to him. Um, he's big. He stays strong in the pocket. He takes hits. He delivers the ball with, with a very good accuracy. He can hit tight windows. Uh, but if you ever had to play a game for the Eagles, Nothing in that playbook is working for Tanner McKee. So you're going to have to build a whole new one for the way that Tanner McKee 
plays uh, plays football. So I anticipate McKee not playing a whole lot for, for the Eagles. I think that he they're going to develop him as a strong pocket guy that maybe teams could fall in love with, even though the NFL is seemingly going away from those type of players. The dual threat is becoming the new prototype at a at, at quarterback. But maybe some team like a Patriots or a Vikings or somebody falls in love with those strong pocket guys that don't move around a whole lot, but delivers the ball with pristine accuracy. They flip him maybe perhaps down the road for a mid-round pick. Maybe they use him to simulate maybe like a, a Derek Carr or somebody that they're going to play in the season. Maybe he'll help simulate a, 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 a true pocket passer for them in practice when they go up against one. That's the only really reasoning I can see for why they selected Tanner McKee because from a developmental and stylistic standpoint, he didn't make a ton of sense, Shane. Yeah, uh, my take on Tanner McKee. Uh, <laughs> you don't have one probably. He is, he is zeroth percentile. And attended Zero. the University of Georgia, so I'm out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I mean... No, Stenson Bennett. Stenson Bennett, we should have did. We should have did. Yeah, I mean, I had a third-round grade on McKee, so... Uh, oh. It's... He's... he's what? He was a good value, I guess, at that spot. I don't like the pick. Um, he... You need, if you're going to predicate your offense as much on the read option and RPO, which you can run RPOs without being mobile. Nick Foles did it. Nick Foles did it. But the read option, like we saw last year when Minshew came in, the Eagles' entire running game was read options, and the defenses just didn't respect that, which is a whole other thing that shouldn't be your whole uh, offense. Like People talk about you know, one of the arguments for drafting like Bajan Robinson is you can take some of that load off of Hurts, and so he's not taking as many hits, but – if you're still running the read option all the time, the defense gets to dictate who gets the ball and Jalen hurts is going to continue to take hits. So you need to develop just a straight running game, like do a few read options, but that was one of my gripes last year. Everything was a read option, but anyways, uh, you can't do that with McKee. Uh, He, he does not do well when he's pressured and he has no ability to create outside of structure. He can't deal with pressure. His completion percentage dropped from 66.5% to 41% when he was pressured. Uh, He was one of eight quarterbacks last season to be sacked over 40 times. He's, which his offensive. In all of college football? Yeah. All of college football? Yeah. Oh my God. His offensive line was bad, but he's a pocket passer with bad pocket presence. He does not do Mm. a good job sliding in the pocket. He has just average arm strength. Now he does have good accuracy, but you know, to me, if you're drafting a guy that can't move, he better have special arm talent. And I guess if he did, he wouldn't be there in the sixth round. But uh, I didn't like the Tanner McKee pick. I'm not going to kill it too much because it's the sixth round. So who really cares at that point? But uh, I just think you want a mobile quarterback. They showed that when they went out and they signed Marcus Mariota to a one-year $5 million deal this year. I would be surprised if Tanner McKee is your QB two next year, because I think they're probably going to want a mobile guy anyways. And so if his top ceiling is an inactive QB three, I'd rather just spend the pick somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson made a lot of sense. Uh, Malik Cunningham who went undrafted. I wouldn't have been mad to see him uh, here in the sixth round. Yeah. McKee is a uh, something I'm trying to figure I'm trying to find the silver lining in this. I'm like, I guess they develop him and flip him to a team who really wants to run that, run that pro style offense. So maybe that's, that's the line of thinking they have here. Maybe they want different perspectives in the, in the QB room. I'm not sure, but yeah, if you thought Gardner Minshew was scared to death when there's pressure coming, wait until you see a Tanner McKee out there when the edge rusher is coming after him, because that man is, is a deer in headlights and he doesn't know what to do uh, when, when free edge rushers are coming off the edge here. But, uh, yeah, he was the, uh, I will say, out of respect for McKee, he was the uh, sixth overall QB prospect. 
to me anyway, after uh, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and Hendon Hooker. Tanner McKee was next. So from a value standpoint, I mean, yeah, there it is. So <laughs> we'll see what they make of Tanner McKee. It's going to be a hell of a QB3 battle in camp between he and Ian Book. Is Ian Book mobile? Did he run a lot in college? I don't know. I don't, I don't think Notre, so. Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame, great Ian Book. Yeah, He's yeah. lighting it up in Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, Ian Book, see ya. He's gone. Yeah, he's out of there. He's out of there. Yeah. So off to the seventh round. Well, I thought this was a stellar pick. This guy was ranked. I, I'm I'm very intrigued, Shane, to see where he was on your big board because a lot of people had him as a top 100 overall talent. PFF had him at number 96. That the Eagles got him at number 249 overall in defensive tackle. Moro Ajomo, originally born in Nigeria, came to the states when he was seven years old. Enrolled in college when he was 16. Shane, what were you doing at 16? <laughs> uh, learning how to drive. I don't know. Yeah, I was not learning. How to, I didn't learn how to drive till I was 20. Actually, fun fact. Don't ask me why it took that long. But uh, yeah, 16, I, I certainly wasn't. I guess that, that's a lie, too, because I grew up I grew up on the far, on a farm out in the country. So I was actually learning to drive <laughs> at like nine. But oh, man, man. Yeah, this guy was learning how to play football. I played a whole bunch, whole bunch at Texas. You want to talk about a guy who's stocky and his wingspan. Shane, I'm sure you've seen the film to this point, but his wingspan like is he could he could stand. Like he could from my couch, which is all the way across the room, he could stand from my couch and be touching me at my desk. That's how far, that's how crazily long his wingspan is. Freakishly long arms. Uh, he he knows how to uh, 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 take advantage of guys on the uh, uh, along the offensive line on the opposing side. And I like everything about this pick. I think he can develop into a real nice run stuffer for the Eagles. Be an early down guy for you. If you have him and Jordan Davis in there on early downs, I don't think opposing teams are gaining very much yards on the ground. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think, you know, he wasn't in my top 100, so I didn't have a detailed scouting report on him, but I think it was a really good pick by the Eagles. I didn't think they would take another. That that was my prediction as I signed off of the night two draft show was that I did not think the Eagles would take another lineman Uh, just because day three, you're looking for special teamers. You're looking for places you have on the roster. You can stick a guy, and I didn't think they had room for another defensive lineman, but I really liked the Ojimo pick. Uh, or as I think the BGN radio show decided we're going to have the nickname Mojo. So we don't have to try to say his name, but ah, uh, so I, I can't remember if it was Jimmy or Brandon that came up with that, but shout out to them. So Mojo uh, in the seventh round, I thought it was a good pick. Um, I don't know how much he'll see the field this year, but just another, you know, developmental piece on the interior defensive line. He's decent run defender. He can play the four eye for you, similar to how they've used Milton Williams at times. Uh, I thought it was a great value pick there in the seventh round, just again, to continue to invest into a position group that the Eagles value a whole lot. Yeah, I think um, it was kind of foreshadowing that they would pick a lineman here because they let go of Marvin Wilson earlier in the day, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was like, yeah, it's probably, they're probably eyeing up another D tackle here, but Ajomo does a lot of things well as, as a run defender. He had 19 uh, recorded 19 stops in 12 games last year, according to PFF. So, there you go for the guys that like to continue to stuff the run and keep leave guys force uh, teams into third and long and fourth and long situations. Uh, I think he'll develop into a nice piece uh, for the Eagles. So overall grades before, before we get up out of here, uh, Shane was telling me before the show that people are too lenient in their, in their draft grades. So I'm very excited to hear his overall grades. Uh, but other than, you know, Tanner McKee, he's the one I saw on this on this uh, uh on this draft and it would have been an a plus draft for me you call me a homer you call me whatever that's what i would have given it because of the mckee pick alone this overall draft class 
is an A minus for me for 2023 for Philadelphia. All right. I yeah, I was telling Victor off air that it annoys me when places he hates you, draft analysts. He hates the, all of you. Yeah, I hate it when people put out the draft <laughs> grades and everyone's like an A or a B. Like that's not how grades work. So like to me, C should be your starting point. And that's where most of your team should fall, kind of in that range. And A's and you know, D's and F's. Those should be you give the Eagles a B, didn't you? Those should be yeah. reserved for teams that exceptionally overperformed, like the Eagles, or underperformed, like the 49ers or Lions. Uh shots fired there. But now I gave the Eagles an A plus. I think they had one of the best drafts All out right. there. I thought you were about to say B plus. I would have logged off this. No, 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 no. I <laughs> A plus uh, I thought they had a fantastic draft and I'm not even I'm not even gonna dock him for the Tanner McKee pick that I was so happy with the rest of it. I don't even care. It messes with my OCD, the Tanner McKee. Like if you could have just picked like so, like a receiver, like because honestly, like we've talked about it uh b- between us two, Shane. Like after AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, I don't know if you if one of them gets hurt, you push Quest to the outside. It's like Tyree Cleveland, the answer. Like, I don't know what you're doing on the outside. I actually have a very uh actually no, I don't. I'm not even gonna say that. Uh, I was gonna say I have a I have a potential uh <laughs> player the Eagles should target in free agency, but he's a slot guy anyway, so you'd still be uh be uh yeah pushing people to the uh to the outside at that point. So I would have loved to see a receiver there. I was pulling for uh for Keishon Boutte until I found out his uh Shane, I don't know if you're aware of the uh off the field story with him. Uh, but some people on Twitter were yeah let's just look it up in the meantime. Okay. Some people were uh very nice uh very were were nice enough to make me aware of Keishon Boutte's uh off the field situation. <laughs> so I was like oh maybe he's not the uh the, the the right pick there i would have liked to see uh parker washington out of penn state i would love to see him at that pick but um what are you gonna do what are you gonna do tanner mckee it is he probably won't be here he'll probably be another clayton thorson be on the roster practice squad a couple of years done for and that is that but yeah a minus for me just because of, of tanner mckee but overall phenomenal draft for the eagles didn't think they could do better than they did last season they came into it this year uh at one point like they walked into the draft with six picks and at one point they had five players a trade with DeAndre Swift and still had four picks remaining. So how he seemingly wheeled and dealed and, and, and the whole bit, they have a ton of comp picks coming next year. And uh, the future, the Eagles are not only set up for, for a Super Bowl title run this year, they should be the favorites in the NFC after this draft, but they're set up for three to four years down the road. And you can't ask for a better outcome than that. As far as the, uh, the current landscape and your future plans, as far as a franchise perspective. goes. Yeah. I, I mean, if I, if I'm giving, you know, my draft regret for the Eagles is that instead of take, you know, they walk out without a pass catcher, which I think would have been nice to yeah, add, whether it be wide receiver or tight end. And I'm not going to nitpick, but I would have rather seen them instead of drafting Tanner McKee, guys that were available, you know, A.T. Perry, wide receiver out of Wake Forest. Yeah, Trey, I saw a lot of fans upset they didn't get him. Trey Palmer, wide receiver out of Nebraska, even like Andre Yosevas, wide receiver out of Princeton or. Or Zach Kuntz, tight end out of Old Dominion, who has the 10.0 relative athletic score. He went later in the seventh round. So I would have rather seen them take a pass catcher there than McKee. But again, I'm not going to nitpick a draft that I felt was so good. Yeah, yeah, that's literally just uh, nitpicking. But they did get a couple undrafted guys. Um, I haven't written those up yet. I was waiting for like the official deals, but I guess they're just like not coming. So I'll <laughs> write about the uh, the nine undrafted guys and the nine players they did invite to uh, to rookie minicamp. So I'll get those up. But they did get a couple of guys. And Shane, this this could be the last guy we talk about. Uh, last year, before we were even doing the show, uh, on my podcast, I'd mentioned a cornerback who I thought would have been a potential first round target. For, for the Eagles, and the Eagles got him as an undrafted guy, and Eli Ricks. So you want to talk about a cornerback room who we were screaming 
to have uh, we need some young talent in here. You got Josh Job, who they got last year. You have Eli Ricks now. You have Keely Ringo. You have uh, Zach McPherson, who we're waiting to see something out of. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of you got Greedy Williams, who maybe can turn this one year deal into something. We'll see what he's made of. Uh, but I was very excited to see Eli Eli Ricks. I think he has the I don't even say the potential because he went undrafted for a reason. But the tools are certainly there for for a guy like Eli Ricks. I don't know if he scouted him at all. Thought he was going drafted at any point. I don't know if he's in probably not in your top 100. Uh, but are you excited that the Eagles were able to nab a guy like Eli Ricks on the on the undrafted market? Yeah, he was. So he was actually my number seventy seven player on my big oh, board. So okay. I had a third ground third round grade on Ricks. Obviously, he entered the season um, and was really highly thought of. I, I think it was Mel Kiper famously had him in the top ten of his way too early mock draft for this year. Um, now he didn't become a star- he transferred to Alabama and he didn't become a starter until week eight, which was I mean that's weird. Uh, he's not very athletic, <laughs> ran a four, six forty. So there, I mean, there's reasons he fell, uh, but he's, he was a Saban defensive back for a year. He's got a high IQ. He's really well coached. Um, so you take a flyer on that guy and those guys, same thing with Josh Job. You see them, they could step in in a pinch because they've been so well coached at Alabama. So I'll never fault getting a Nick Saban defensive back, especially as a UDFA. So yeah, I liked the Eli Rick signing. I was pretty excited about it. Now, Will it mean anything? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, how many snaps did Josh Job play last year when when we not were all so excited about him? But not a lot. Yeah, so it's probably not the biggest move, but he probably ends up on the practice squad, whatever. But I'm still excited to see a name that you know has some potential, and so uh, I was I was excited by that one. And I'm just confirming here. Uh, yeah, Josh Job did not play a snap. No, no, that's not true. He played 12 snaps on defense last year for the Eagles. So right. 220 special team snaps. So maybe you can get on the field as a special teamer here. Yeah. Yeah. It was a guy, especially a guy I paid attention to in college and to see him come away. He didn't allow a single touchdown last year. So that should, he's good at something. He's good at coverage in some type of way. Uh, so very excited uh, to, to see him. So that is our overall recap of the draft. Very good for the Eagles. Very intrigued to see how the talent all works out, but on paper, Man, I don't know who's contending with this team again in the NFC. Shane and I will come up on here next week and take a look around the NFC, probably laugh at a couple teams because some of them didn't do so hot. We'll talk about uh, who's the who's the primary threat to the Eagles NFC, and uh, we'll take a look around the division as well. Appreciate you guys for listening to this edition of the EPA podcast right here on Bleeding Green Nation. Shane, where can the people find you? What you got coming up? Are you taking a break from YouTube for a week to recharge, or, or is more All-22 coming out? on the picks that we know will be here, you know, for the next foreseeable future. Yeah, no, no, all 22 uh, yet. I am going to do, <laughs> uh, I'm recording an NFC draft grades podcast for chalk talk tomorrow night. And then I'll do an AFC mm-hmm. draft grades podcast the next week. Uh, and then I'm going to take a break for a week or two and, and then I'll get back into it. So with all your typical off season creative content, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Shane half NFL. Uh, you can also follow the podcast uh, at Chalk Talk NFL. Uh, you can check me out on YouTube at Shane Half NFL as well. Yes, sir. Be sure to go do that. Put in a lot of work in the offseason, and now it's time to uh, time to focus on these players, move ahead, and you know your traditional offseason stuff as OTAs are right around the corner. Be sure to follow me, Victor Williams, on all social media platforms over at The Philly Pod. You can find my podcast, The Philly Pod, over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your shows. Be sure to subscribe. We have a a couple new episodes this week. I have one coming uh, tomorrow as well, so be sure to subscribe 
and stay on tap for uh for for all of those appreciate you guys for doing that we'll catch you guys next week as we take a look around the nfc until then guys peace out from the epa podcast go dogs dogs <laughs>